0: And this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Well, it's finally happened. Today, we have brought you something you can really sink your teeth into. Some folks might call it a cryptid, Others might call it a manimal, but those aren't the sort of folks that we like to associate with. Personally, we like the word beast. We think that covers a lot of territory. Now, the more enthusiastically weird among our listeners, they might think they know the story this week. But we posit that, even if you've heard this one, you've likely heard a spooky retelling. Dramatized for maximum effect on a blog or a listicle, or maybe even a certain documentary. And while we love atmosphere and fog and people running around in the woods and shouting and shaky cameras and night vision as much as anyone else, and let's be frank, Probably more than most people, we must admit that there's a special place in our hearts for the way a story can be pieced together not on the big screen, but through the quotes of the small-town residents who experienced it, printed in the pages of their tiny local newspapers. And that's what we have for you this week. Because, listeners, there was a time in the early 1990s when the picturesque town of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, faced something wholly out of the ordinary. And lack of normalcy alone was odd for the city. It was quiet and picturesque, surrounded by lake country and other towns that drew tourist traffic. Elkhorn's main claim to fame, up until the early 90s anyway, was its designation as the Christmas card town. According to its own website, Elkhorn's main park had a reputation for its striking and elaborate holiday decorations. So much so that the Ford Motor Company had them painted and disseminated on its company Christmas cards. That's a pretty wholesome reputation, right? Well, let's just say that not everything going on in Elkhorn would look so nice on a holiday card. Because in late December of 1991, Elkhorn was rumored to have a bit of a problem. A wolf problem. Or maybe not exactly a wolf. Perhaps a dog problem. Or a mutant coyote issue. You know what? For now, let's go with a creature. And sightings of this creature? They all tended to happen in a centralized area in the Lake Country on a private stretch of Country Road. It seems to have been named for the family who had inhabited it for at least 75 years. Bray Road. But, unfortunately for the Brays, they would soon become the least interesting residents of their own street. Though there would eventually be an uproar surrounding the creature on Bray Road, eventually known as the Beast of Bray Road, in December, it began as more of a whimper. The first person to cover the story was, technically, the cartoonist for Elkhorn's newspaper, The Week. That cartoonist-turned-reporter was Linda Godfrey, and according to the book she wrote years later, she was desperate that winter for a decent lead. Apparently, there are only so many things one can write about a park full of Christmas decorations. In any case, Linda certainly got her lead— According to her book, she heard through the local grapevine that residents were talking of sightings of a strange creature spotted on local roads late at night. It seemed to be a scavenger, something caught in flashing headlights, feasting on whatever roadkill hadn't been able to outrun passing tires. But there was also something even odder, because those who initially saw this wolfy-looking creature They said that it was holding the meat in its front two paws and walking around on the back two. Yes, listeners, you heard that right. We've moved firmly into bipedal territory. As far as we can tell, no one knows exactly who began to speak of the beast first in 1991. But we know the school bus and the high school are where the rumors ran wild. That's where the week's Linda Godfrey got her first whiff of the story. In her book on the subject, she mentions a friend's daughter verifying it as hot gossip in the adolescent set. Still, her Linda Godfrey, she was surprised when she tracked down two young women, locals to the area, who'd seen a strange creature on Bray Road. But they hadn't been together. They'd seen this creature in two separate incidents. And, in fact, one of the sightings hadn't come in 1991 at all. That's just when the news made its way around town. According to Linda, the frightening experience had happened a year earlier, in 1990. The girls in question were neighbors. One day, one of the girls' mothers was talking to the other teen, the neighbor, about something her daughter had seen out on Bray Road in 1990. It had been not a dog, and not a man, something in between. Now, the other girl, the neighbor, she was practically faint by the end of the story. According to Linda, she eventually told her friend's mother that, quote, she had seen the exact same thing, but had been too afraid to tell anyone about it. So that was very interesting. But what truly piqued Linda Godfrey's interest in the case was her conversation with Elkhorn's local animal control officer. Though it's briefly mentioned in several articles, the best account comes from Godfrey's own book. When she met up with the officer, John Fredrickson, she was absolutely delighted to discover that not only had he heard about the strange beast, he had accumulated an entire folder devoted to it. And what had he labeled that folder? Werewolf. Linda Godfrey was a goner. She asked John Frederickson about his folder, where he'd apparently been collecting descriptions for some time. As far as we can tell, most early reports didn't precisely describe a werewolf. A giant dog, a wolf, a beast, a thing. So this may have been the animal control officer's own calculation. Likely, it was his idea of a joke. In either case, he had dutifully recorded the sightings that he himself believed to be totally, utterly mundane. Linda wrote, quote, He told me that he thought it was probably a large coyote, perhaps seen leaping from an unusual angle. If it was caught at just the exact moment when it was lunging, it would have appeared to be on two legs. Most early news reports mentioned that locals were mostly seeing an unusual creature at night that seemed to be interested in the roadkill and small wildlife living along rural roads. And yes, especially along Bray Road. A local paper, the Capital Times, quoted Linda Godfrey herself as saying, Nobody knows what it is, but they're seeing it and they're all describing it as being wolf-like with the snout and the fangs and the pointy ears. One woman thought it would be about the same size as a man who would be 5 foot 7 inches tall and 150 pounds, and it's been observed running and walking on two legs. According to the Stevens Point General newspaper, a Lieutenant Gerald Walworth, who was with the Sheriff's Department, pointed out that maybe everyone was just seeing, quote, a coyote with a deformed leg sticking out in a way that makes it appear to be standing on two legs. For some inexplicable reason, that one didn't catch on with the locals. Soon, everyone in Elkhorn was convinced that there was some kind of beast, something more than a mundane wolf or a dog prowling Bray road. And maybe it wasn't going to be satisfied with roadkill forever. Maybe it wanted fresher meat. And so, like humans throughout history, they decided to head right toward that danger, in the dark, to look for it. Some call it bravery. Some call it natural selection. We at One Strange Thing certainly aren't here to cast judgment. Per the Stevens Point General, it seems like the only Elcornians who weren't in a tizzy were the people who might be affected by the so-called beast, the residents of his stomping ground. They interviewed Bernice Bray, who'd lived there for 50 years. We aren't getting excited about it. Her husband, Scott, who'd been born and raised there, had her beat by another 25 years. Scott added, The other night, we counted six or seven cars going up and down the road, shining spotlights. Everybody's getting a little carried away. But maybe it wasn't the locals who got carried away. Because it seemed that whatever was out there in those woods, in Elkhorn, the sightings were becoming more frightening. And as the winter pressed on, reports came of more aggressive encounters with what was becoming known as the Beast of Bray Road. Several residents, interestingly, they were nearly always women, reported direct interactions with the whatever it was wisconsin state journal reporters managed to get some quality quotes from residents who claimed to have seen the beast including the following gems one woman insisted its eyes glowed and its mouth was ringed with big teeth actually fangs another wrote that the beast runs on its hind legs steals chickens chases deer and scares the living daylights out of people There were reports that a teenager claimed the beast had chased her up a tree. When questioned, she claimed that she could see claw marks across the trunk. And then, three women reported an attack on Bray Road. They said they were pursued after accidentally striking the beast with their vehicle. It jumped onto the car and hung onto the back, digging in with its claws. One woman told the journal, When the nails hit the metal, it sounded like someone was scraping the car with a steel rake. The same woman would later tell Linda Godfrey that she didn't think the thing that attacked her, whatever it might be, was a werewolf. I'd say it was a freak of nature, one of God's mistakes. No one had any good theories as to why this beast who'd previously been hanging around on Bray Road and chewing on possums and raccoons had taken to attacking female travelers. Maybe it was getting tired of all the flashlights. Maybe the deformed coyote comment had really upset it. But despite all the furor, there wasn't any actual evidence to be had. No convenient footprints or fur or even a nice, blurry photo to argue over. In fact, the closest thing to it was, well, not evidence at all. But we really must tell you about this particular thing anyway. To understand, you need just a little bit of backstory. Apparently, a nearby newspaper, the Lake Geneva Regional News, had a weekly gossip column called The Chatterbox. Its main conceit was that rather than being reported on by any journalist, it was compiled by their office cat, who was unfortunately named Mahitabel. That is apparently in reference to an ancient cartoon strip, let's not worry about it. Anyway, locals would sometimes write in to the cat to share blind items or accuse each other of various scandals. Well, When the news of the Beast of Bray Road hit, the cat began to receive letters on that subject too. At first, there was the expected, gossip about who had seen what and where. There were drawings and whispers of what it might be. But then, a very different sort of letter arrived. It was a long one, so long in fact that the feline reporter could only excerpt it. But the gist was this. The beast itself had decided it was not happy with the current news coverage and had sat down to carefully pen a letter and let the world know. Per the Lake Geneva Regional News, this letter began in poetic fashion, but things quickly devolved from there. The letter began.
1: I've heard people who live on or near Ray Road talking of things they've seen as dusk spread its heavy blanket over the countryside. Someone who hasn't even seen the creature has even attempted a crude drawing of the beast. I rolled on the floor howling with laughter. I've heard people speculating as to what the creature might be, From some exotic cross between a wolf to some large breed of dog to some deranged and or deformed or mutated human to satanic worshippers due to the fact that some reported sightings or have been on or near a full moon. At this point, listeners,
0: we must interrupt to let you know that the letter writer pauses to go on a paragraphs-long rant about a number of things, including but not limited to genetic splicing, Count Dracula, a mouse with the head of a chicken, the Institute for Cancer Research, and various reports concerning human replication experiments, including an English experiment wherein human fingertips were regrown in a lab in 1978. Which, admittedly, does sound strange, but let's unpack that in another episode. In any case, after a long tirade about the terrible genius of science, our letter writer returned to the subject at hand, sort of.
1: Like its mysterious counterpart, Bigfoot, could it not be the product of genetic tampering? I know what the Beast of Bray Road is. I must catch the news tonight and see what the weather will be like tomorrow night. So if I were you, and you live on or near Bray Road, I'd keep my furry little friends warm and safe in your homes. Because I don't want to be responsible for... What might happen when the moon is bright and I'm out looking for possums? For I am the Beast of Bray Road.
0: Signed, The Wolf Man. Strangers, we can only guess that this rambling letter was supposed to strike zodiac killer like fear into the hearts of Elkhorn. And maybe it did. But we cannot be the only ones that noticed that this alleged werewolf decided to send his confession, his grand admittance, his introduction to the world, to a cat with a gossip column. Honestly, locals were far more concerned with the sightings than with this letter. And when we say they were concerned, well, at least some of them were less concerned Then they were interested in how to best profit off of them. According to the Wisconsin State Journal, some people around town thought it was a good idea to sell, quote, werewolf hunting licenses. Another local took to wearing a rubber wolfman mask and popping out of bushes in hopes of, we must assume, getting shot by someone with a freshly minted werewolf hunting license beast fever had truly hit, and the town was losing its collective head, and people were getting paranoid. Per the Wisconsin State Journal, a woman claimed her car had been attacked while she was driving down a country road one night, and that she'd barely managed to escape with her life. When they investigated, they discovered that she'd managed to hit a large black dog with her car, scooping it up with her bumper and tossing it over her roof. For some reason, the paper did not see fit to report on the dog's state of health, so we've decided to assume it sprained its ankle and went on to live a long and happy life. It seems that eventually, the beast touched every facet of Elkhorn life, even the judicial. According to the Stevens Point General, a local man was arrested after he was found trespassing at a private home on Bray Road. The implication in court was that he was casing the joint, though he claimed he was there to apply for a job at 11 p.m. at night. The real trouble, though, was that he had a loaded pistol, one that he was not supposed to have, in his glove box. In court, he claimed that he was carrying it as werewolf defense in an absolutely devastating move. The prosecutor asked him, So... Were the bullets silver? Listeners, they were not. Even the defendant reportedly chuckled at the question. Right after that, he was convicted, so we assume the chuckling stopped. Just as there was no clear beginning to the sightings of the Beast of Bray Road, there was no clear end. They were most heavily concentrated in the early 1990s, when Beast Fever shook Elkhorn, and a few scattered their way into the early 2000s, when Linda Godfrey wrote her book. Per the Capital Times, there was even a time when a dramatic adaptation was in the works, and a member of the band Fleetwood Mac was in the running to play, We Are Not Kidding, The Beast of Bray Road. The creature who ate roadkill and had been described as maybe a coyote with a deformed leg was suddenly exciting enough to have Mick Fleetwood himself getting suited up in full werewolf makeup backstage at his own concerts and shooting audition tape. According to the paper, nothing came of that, which, honestly, is probably a good thing. In 2018, a documentary was made on the Beast of Bray Road. Personally, we at One Strange Thing haven't seen it, but we are concerned that the office cat with the advice column may have been totally overlooked in favor of flashy special effects. We feel that would have been a terrible oversight. Ultimately though, on a scale of zero to mass hysteria, the Beast of Bray Road seems to fall somewhere in the middle Kind of like that time that everyone in Atlanta, Georgia, saw Jesus on a billboard advertising spaghetti. You haven't heard that one? We'll get to it someday. In Elkhorn, it's likely some local teens saw a stray dog or coyote, and the story caught fire from there. No big deal, right? It just spun into a cryptid franchise that spawned a documentary and book and an urban or rural legend. After all, there's no evidence. No hair. No droppings. Not one bit of shaky cam footage. Unless you count the Mick Fleetwood tapes. Just another modern creation plumped up a bit by myths and scary movies. Except for one strange thing. You see, those teenagers in the 90s, whose rumor mill caused this whole thing, they weren't the first folks to see something strange on Bray Road or the surrounding area. Not by a long shot. In fact, per the Wisconsin Freeman, reports of a wolf-like beast in the area date back to at least the 1930s, if not further. And they've continued into the present day, though that's less surprising. Once a legend is established, it tends to stick around, but those early sightings, they were all but forgotten when the first whispers of the Bray Road Beast surfaced on that school bus in 1991. Here's what we were able to dig up. According to the newspaper The Post Crescent, nearby residents claimed that a similar creature that many now believe was the beast itself had stalked Wisconsin as early as 1958, quote, terrorizing a neighborhood near Appleton High School for a 10-year period. Now, in 1958, Elkhorn residents might not have heard that story because it took place a little over an hour away. But these descriptions of the beast were quite similar, and so were the behaviors described. And according to Stuart Scott's, who is referred to by the Wisconsin State Journal as a local folklorist. There was also a very old story of a werewolf in nearby Dane County, one that has somehow managed to survive in local memory. It concerned a man who had made everyone in town very uncomfortable. He was a foreigner, a German farmer who was suspected of being a werewolf because of the disappearance of several children. Now, we're not sure why the townsfolk felt that point A logically led to point B, but folklore has a habit of being very twisty. Scotts told the journal that eventually he died, but people still wouldn't talk about him because they were afraid he would come back to get them. Admittedly, that story is vague, but there are others that are more specific. And here's the big one. This story dates back to nearby Jefferson County in 1936. Per Milwaukee Magazine, the story originates with a night watchman, Mark Shackleman, who was patrolling the grounds of a children's school. It's important to mention here that the magazine says that, quote, Native American burial mounds had been preserved on the property, with no further detail as to which tribes they belonged to how much say they had in the matter, or anything else you might want to know when building your school on someone else's burial grounds. As Milwaukee Magazine tells it, one night Mark Shackleman came upon a very large dog. Or a wolf, or a wolf dog, or mutant coyote, a thing. A red-eyed thing which was, quote, "...digging into one of the mounds." When this thing made eye contact with Mark, he soon realized he was not looking at, oh, a coyote with a deformed leg, but something he described as man-sized, with a lupine face and thick fur and, quote, a smell of rotting meat. It could also stand on two legs. Per Milwaukee Magazine, quote, it growled at him, its speech half human, half Beast. But it didn't attack. Mark froze, and eventually it turned and it left. Pretty anticlimactic, but also not so dissimilar to the sightings that came more than 50 years later, just a stone's throw away in Elkhorn. Whatever people have seen out there on Bray Road, it seems fair to infer. It just wants to be left alone, and maybe it gets a little grumpy if it isn't. We can certainly relate to that. Maybe you can, too. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers. One Strange Thing is an entirely independent production. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There, you'll get ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, and plenty of other fun content, all for five bucks a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in the show notes.